G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we do love to check in with one of those great organisations that's working so powerfully behind the scenes, running all sorts of campaigns left, right and centre, alerting Christian believers to the biggest issues that face our nation of Australia. Family Voice Australia, Greg Bondar is Family Voice State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Hey, Greg, a special welcome back to 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil. Delighted to be here again. Greg, let's start with this one I mentioned we would talk about, uh, the idea of progressive Christianity and asking what is that? And uh, some of us might be uh, looking for some context of where we are in our church movement or our local church. Uh, what do you think about this issue of progressive Christianity, given that this church in the U.S. in Nashville, Tennessee, has uh, has uh, come up with the idea that the Bible's not the word of God, inerrant or infallible? Uh, what are your thoughts on this issue? Yeah, thank you. Now, look, I'm, I'm very disturbed. Um, I have been... Uh, you know, really think about how best to respond because I'm out there in the in the public arena. Uh, I preach at churches, at various denominational churches. You know, uniting Catholic, uh, 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 Anglican, or whatever, wherever I get invited to. And when I read something like this, it really worries me because we've got progressive politicians. We've now got progressive, you know, government bodies. We've got progressive hospitals. Now we've got progressive Christianity, which really. It's just an attempt to belittle the Bible and apply woke culture into mainstream Christianity. Look, Neil, either you are a Bible-believing Christian or you're not. Now, I look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, and it says clearly, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it. So why do these so-called progressive ministers, and they call themselves ministers of the church, and I find that very conflicting, come up with this sort of nonsense that the Bible is not the word of God? Neil, it has to stop, because here we are, we're talking about humanutics, you know, where we're talking about scriptural interpretations, and it's just an attempt to water down the Bible, Neil. You know, this is one of those instances, Greg, and going off topic a little bit here because it has some bearing, the idea that we have such a variety of denominations and uh, some of them have, you know, slightly varied interpretations and mm. the way we practice our faith. But here's one of the strengths of having so many different denominations is that when someone in one particular denomination, maybe leading things a little bit way off center or way off from what we understand as orthodox, then you have all of this tension around the other denominations and the way they preach and teach the Bible and the way they see the Bible as, uh, you know, we're talking about inerrancy or infallibility, uh, the yep. word of God. And, uh, and it's interesting here that this particular one that you're, discussing uh, thinks that the bible tends to be almost an idol now that's that's an interesting perspective isn't it yeah it is actually look now, now i i sort of have some sort of uh 
empathy with this because some of some people and, and I know a lot of people, you know, my, my mother for example and whatever people tend to make the actual Bible the idol rather than God himself. In other words, it's God's word we need to love, not particularly the book as a publication in the sense of, you know, paper and what have you. So what we need to do, Neil, is it's Christianity is a relationship between you and God. And what we need to be doing is not trying to change the word of God by coming up with this nonsense, progressive Christianity views and, and trying to, you know, inculcate woke culture and, and, and cancel culture into what we as Christians believe. Because at the end of the day now, you know, we've got to be very careful to, to make sure that when we're out there and, and preaching the word of God, I went into one church not long ago, I won't mention which one, and the person up the front said, well, Jesus was just a nice guy. I said, what am I doing here? Because they've obviously not read the Bible or cannot interpret it to make it make themselves feel happy about what they think the Bible means. So we have a real issue here, and progressive Christianity, if it comes to Australia, we've got to be ready now. Uh, this idea, uh, progressive Christianity, a new attempt to belittle the Bible. In other words, mm. uh, the Bible becomes less important in issues of faith and practice. And so all of that uh, rigour that comes uh, from those academics who are doing study of the Bible, and of course uh, all of that in light of the history that we've mm. got as 2,000 years of, of history, uh, when you're actually trying to do away with that, so it's not important anymore, we've got a real problem, haven't we? Absolutely, because all these so-called progressive pastors or what have you are doing nearly they are trying to attract the wider audience. Now, we've got to remember, are you trying to please man or God? We've got to make sure that it's God and not man now. And uh, look, a little bit of a, uh, a, a nudge here that uh, perhaps it would be a good thing for us on this program to have a program where we do actually focus on uh, issues of infallibility and inerrancy because, uh, you know, those are big topics and uh, there are some ways to look at those words and the definitions and, and some denominations will think of things differently to that and, uh, you know, sometimes we take for granted the way we interpret the Bible is all right and we always have to keep coming back to explore and rediscover the truth that God has revealed and so there are some challenges there and uh, and so that is something for another day. Hey, let's move on because there's a number of big issues to talk about, Greg. Let's talk about universities. Uh, universities of communism, you're calling them, China recruiting hundreds of academics. Uh, give us your insight here. Look, I'm appalled by this. I came across a re- recent report, a report from a China expert, Alex Josky, and he is saying that universities are, are being awarded grants from communist China, you know, $280 million in point of fact, and these grants will no doubt sway the thinking of universities. Now, we only have to look back. I think last year we spoke about uh, Drew Pavlow, doc, uh, Dr. Reed, on how universities will cancel culture you if you come and speak out against China or you come and speak out about a, uh, you know, a politically incorrect uh, theory or whatever it might be. And Dr. Reed was a victim of that. Alec Pavlow was a victim of speaking out against China. Now, for the, the universities at the moment are massively funding the actual lecturers. Now, you've got to tell me there's got to be a conflict of interest between where your money's coming from 
and what you are teaching. In other words, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And, and I'm concerned that our children, our young youth, are being taught incorrect philosophy, theory, and what have you at university. And this is a real issue for us as Christians because it addresses freedom of speech now. Uh, yes, and uh, look, just to clarify here, Greg, when we talk about being a Christian, applying that Christian worldview uh, to all sorts of issues, I mean, every issue of life that can happen in a university context, mm. when you start to contrast contrast that and say there is a communist worldview that is being uh, taught in our universities. Well, uh, for listeners who are thinking, well, isn't that just another political brand? Well, uh, communism is a godless system. The idea that if there is no God, we need to put things in order. Of course, Christianity is a godly system. We acknowledge that there is God and that he has say into uh, the way we might even undertake governance for the peace and for the benefit of all mankind. Uh, so there's a, so there's a big, big, big uh, a difference, a big contrast there. And so, uh, Greg, when we talk about this, uh, when the universities around Australia were all so resistant to the Ramsey Centre yep. and their funding for these uh, Western Civilization courses, uh, they were very, very slow on the uptake. There is a there's a little bit of a breakthrough there now, and there's three universities. Mm. Yeah, give us some insight into the universities that are teaching these foundations of Western Civilization, which we will say is coloured by Christianity. Well, absolutely. I mean, Western civilization is found, founded on Christianity, if you really look at the study, and I love Western civilization study as such. Now, interestingly, the money offered by the Ramsey Centre from the Ramsey Healthcare Group uh, was offered to universities, and the ones that knocked the, the, the funding back were the universities, universities that were receiving the greatest amount of grants from the Chinese government. And Monash, University of you know, New South Wales, um, ANU. So these universities all knocked it back. The three universities that have accepted it, and, and, the, and the one just recently, is the Australian Catholic University. And I amen to that now because they've, they've made a $50 million deal. And in that respect, they will be teaching. Western civilization, along with Wollongong University, which is also signed up. So, out of the you know eighteen, twenty, whatever type universities we've got around the country, three have taken it up. And I think it's important that we make the point that the universities that knocked back the grant were the ones receiving the greatest amount of funding from China. Isn't that disturbing? Uh, But uh, let me just say special honour then to uh, the Australian Catholic University, and you also mentioned uh, another great sandstone university, the University of Queensland, and, of course, uh, the University of Wollongong. And uh, they've signed up. They're offering these courses, and there'll be people who are going through there, and they are uh, examining. And I think, uh, you know, when we talk about Western civilization, it's a study of the great books, the great literature. But isn't it interesting, Greg, just before we move on from here, that if you have the communist view, as we are suggesting here, that almost every other university in Australia had because they're getting this money from communist China, if you have this communist view, uh, you're actually teaching anti-Western civilization because you are suggesting that somehow this Western civilization that's influenced the foundations of Australia is colonial and it's, uh, you know, it's those, uh, you know, middle-aged white males uh, who uh, want to block everybody else out. It's it's like they try to to almost uh, shut down 
any expression of what has actually built in these freedoms we have in our nation. Any thoughts around that? Because there is a big contrast, isn't there? Absolutely. No, you make a very good point. Uh, you, you and I both know, and I'm sure our listeners too, China is one of the greatest persecutors of Christians in the world. And in point of fact, the Chinese government has got uh, local churches there replacing uh, the, the photo of Jesus or uh, with their own Chinese national leader. Uh, they're not allowed to do certain things. So they're a great persecutor of, Christ- persecutor of Christianity. That being said, sure, they wouldn't allow any courses on Western civilization to be introduced into universities if you want to keep the Chinese funding. So it's a real issue for us. You know, we've got to make sure that our freedom of speech is not going to be affected in the sense that we want to make sure that universities reflect the thoughts of mums and dads, the traditional mums and dads here in Australia, who are basically living on a Christian foundation. Okay, well, there's lots more to be said about that, but let's move on because there's another issue just to quickly touch on. Uh, You're monitoring along, Greg, the Global Methodist Church. Now, that's a new development uh, set to be from a split from the Methodist denomination over LGBTQ issues. Uh, And uh, again here, the idea of ignoring the Bible. Uh, Your thoughts on what's happening globally with the Methodist Church? Yeah, look, Neil, again, we've got a real issue here because uh, churches are looking to split again over the simple LGBTIQA issues. Now, this is really worrying because, again, we're watering down uh, the Bible. We're trying to make sure that we appease man, not God. And this has got to stop because the United, well, the United Methodist Church in the U.S. is going to be meeting in May. And it, in point of fact, there's going to be a split because... Currently, ordained pastors are not allowed to perform same-sex marriages, risking disciplinary action if they do. And, of course, practicing LGBTIQA people also cannot become ordained pastors, according to the current church's book of discipline. So all of a sudden, man is saying, oh, well, let's just throw that out. You know, we'll just make sure that we allow LGBTIQ people. We'll allow anybody, pedophiles, what have you, what have you. Neil, it's got to stop. Because what the church is really doing is making the Bible suit itself. So again, if you look at Matthew 18, 20, and I've just looked at this, a church is actually for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So we want to make sure that if the church does it, that they continue to preach the word of God and not what they believe the Bible is saying. Uh, Greg, from my little bit of research on this, and I know there'll be some listening uh, thinking what happens with the Methodist Church in Australia, and didn't the Mm. Methodist Church combine to become part of the Uniting Church back in the 1970s? Well, uh, from what I understand, uh, we're talking about the Wesleyan Methodist Church, and uh, that was a denomination that was not the same Methodism that joined with uh, the Uniting Church, so it's a different whole, uh, different movement we're talking about here, and so the United Methodist Church uh, has this potential breakaway group, and the breakaway group calling themselves the Global Methodist Church are actually Correct. the ones who are maintaining the traditionalist place. So uh, it's it's basically a group leaving the uh, Wesleyan Methodist Church uh, to leave those who are in the denomination to do all of the, you know, we're talking about woke things or those things that are liberal uh, interpretations, not using the Bible as a foundation 
information for how they actually do those practices. So uh, just in yeah. case listeners were concerned about uh, which yeah. Methodism we're talking about here, and of course uh, uh, Wesleyan Methodism goes back to the 1700s, and uh, John and Charles Wesley, the Wesleys, uh, that's where they get that sort of name from. Uh, it is disturbing, isn't it, because uh, worldwide this is a huge movement, uh, something like 12 million members, and they're going to go through a split. Absolutely, and you see, again, Neil, I make the point, oh, please let me make the point, Neil, that, that the LGBTIQ, I am not, I love them as brothers, you know, and sisters in, 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 in made in the image of God, but the point I've got to make is that I love the sinner but hate the sin. In other words, we've got to make sure that, and I'm not talking about the Australian Methodist uh, uh, organisation, I'm talking about the US one because that'll filter around the world. We've got to make sure, and again, I make the point, we have to please God, not man. So when I'm out there in Family Voice and I'm talking to people, I try and please God, not the audience in front of me. And if they like it, great. If they don't, bad luck. But that's the way we've got to be. make sure that we, we address our faith in the public square now. Uh, yes, and uh, Greg, I know that you have a lot of campaigns on the boil. Uh, you're running these webinars. Uh, they seem to be really successful. You've got one coming up early next week. A quick mention of that. Who's your guest on your next webinar? Look, very quickly, George Christensen, MP in, in Queensland. He's going to be talking about his Born Alive Bill, that's a private member, it's been introduced, going to be introduced into federal parliament. And, we've, and, and if, please, come and listen to it, register on our website. But importantly, we've got to make sure that children born out of abortion who are alive have every medical attention that they deserve. Well, I'll point listeners to the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. No doubt there'll be a link there where you can participate mm. in the webinar on Monday night. And uh, Greg Bondar, Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you for the opportunity, Neil. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.